prophesy over a few people before I began preaching. So I am going to do one in each section. How's that? How's that? There is there's a woman sitting behind Sammy, and I know you don't know who Sammy is, so you don't know who you're sitting behind. But Sammy, can you point to the woman behind you? The woman with the, the blonde hair behind you, like diagonally behind you. Yes. Yes. I, I, feel like, I feel like the Lord just wants to speak to you. And I, I feel like there's been a season where I'm... Uh, it's not been a bad season, but it's been, you, you've put yourself out there as far as your dreams go. You've, you've taken a few chances. You've, like, you've decided on, on steps forward. And there's something in your heart that's almost like you feel, you feel nervous, but you feel excited at the same time. And, and I feel like the Lord just wanting to speak to you and commend you on your courage. I feel, I feel like there were some steps that you took that were quite hard. It, was, it, it, took, it took like you had to muster up some stuff inside of you. And I feel like the Lord saying, you, you reached into me and you took hold of my grace. And I am saying to you, yes. I'm saying to you that as you walk this path, I will be with you. I will, I will direct you. I will adjust where it needs to be adjusted. But as you are moving forward, I am, going to, I am going to do more than you've ever imagined. And the dreams that you have entrusted to me, I am going to, I'm going to cause to blossom and to come to fruit. And indeed, I, I see before you just this blossoming tree, and you've been expecting certain branches to blossom, but I see that, in fact, the entire tree blossoms. And I hear the Lord saying that, that not only the areas that you are pursuing, not only will they blossom, but uh, so many areas of your, your life are coming into blossom and into fruit. And I hear the Lord saying, continue to trust me for there will be many more courageous steps needed in the future. And just as you have done this one, continue to do them for I am with you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Um, I can't see your face so well. One, two, three, four, back from the front. You're sitting next to Glory. Maybe you also don't know who Glory is, but Glory, maybe you could point to that person. <laughs> I, hear the, I hear the Lord saying to you that um, there's an excellence that rests on you. When you have gone into every endeavor that you have done, you have you have given yourself completely to it. You have endeavored to be excellent and to produce at your highest level. Even, even in your family, you have, you have chosen excellence as your portion. Even when people around you have delivered less than they should, you have committed in your heart to give what is needed in that situation. And, and I feel the Lord saying there is a grace of faithfulness on you. And I hear the Lord saying that your faithfulness and your obedience to what God has called you has come up like a fragrance before his throne. It's almost like it is drawing his presence to you. It's drawing his favor around you. And you have been frustrated of late. Some doors that you thought were going to open didn't open in the way you expected. And I hear the Lord say, do not be discouraged, for I indeed am opening doors for you. They may not be the doors you thought, but they will be doors that will be more spectacular than the doors you were expecting. I hear the Lord saying, even now, there are people in relationship with you that are watching your life that are that I am preparing to open doors for you I feel like the Lord saying that there is a 
there is a promotion on the way for you that will, that will allow you to express more of the gifts and the graces within you. Up to this point, your faithfulness has carried you, but there is a season coming where my grace upon you will carry you as well as your faithfulness. There will be, there will be an increase in the giftedness on you and people will notice your excellence, but also that flare of creativity, that flare of just something extra that will be my presence igniting your faithfulness with my grace. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Fantastic. I was going to say I'm going to do a man in this, in this, in this thing, but I know all the men in this one, so I'm trying to do a man that I don't know. <laughs> uh, we have, so right near the back, there is a man sitting on the aisle. You've got your arms folded. The person who's turning around, it's the person in front of you. Yes, you just raise your hand. Fantastic. Can I ask you a favor? The way the lights are, I can't really see you. Would you mind standing up? Would that embarrass you? Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I hear, I hear the Lord say, saying this to you, that um, uh, there's been a generational uh, struggle in your family. From, from generation to generation, you, you, have, you have noticed that there's been some, some, there've been some business failures, there've been some, some uh, project that was started but have been aborted. And God has taken care of your family, um, but in your heart there's always been this thing, Lord, will that happen to me too? And I feel like the Lord's saying that he has, he has come to rescue um, the history of your family. He's come to change the history of your family, not over, only its future. For in you, he is, he is pathing, he's pathing a new course. He's <laughs> um, plotting a new course. He is making a new way. I, I see that from a young age, he has been depositing great wisdom and great understanding in you. And he is going to, he's going to use that to open um, opportunities in the work place in, um, in the financial realm and, and your success is not only going to be for you and your family, it is going to bring a turnaround in the, in the narrative that has followed your family and no longer will your family no, be known by what they haven't accomplished, they'll be known by what they do accomplish. There's an uncle of yours that has, has just gotten ready to start a business and I hear the Lord saying, I will prosper him as I prosper you. I will, I will prosper the family in its entirety. And I hear him saying, as you, um, as you stand in your family as a beacon of hope with the gospel, I indeed will reach into your entire family and bring every single one of them into the kingdom. They will serve me and my glory will rest upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Thank you, sir. Um, this gentleman, you're wearing a white shirt. Fantastic, fantastic. Lord Jesus, thank you. What are you saying for this family? I, I, I hear the, the Lord saying that um, there, there has been generational, um, actually generational blessing in your family line. There's been... Um, uh, there have been many people who have gone before you who have, who have sought the Lord, who have stood on God's word, who, is, who have um, been faithful um, to the kingdom. And I, and I hear the Lord saying, son, I am calling you, um, not, not only because of you, but because of the prayers of generations. 
and that there is, there is something coming to you that will, that will ignite in your environment, um, in, your, in your work environment, in your career, um, uh, a picture of God's kingdom in a new way. I see the Lord taking hold of what you do and using it as a sword in, in a community to, to remove deception and to bring light, to cut open uh, curtains of darkness and to allow God's presence to invade. I hear the Lord saying that there have been, um, I'm not sure how, how many children you have. Do you have children? Fantastic. I just, I just see a, a blessing on your children. And there's one child in particular that you have been concerned for. And I hear the Lord saying, put your, put your fears to rest. For I have heard everything that you have prayed. And I am reaching down to that child. Even now that child is having dreams and experiences of me. They can't explain it. But it's, it's working something spectacular in their hearts. And they... They, the dreams that you've had for them, the prayers that you have prayed for them, I hear the Lord saying, they will stand in those and you will see the victory of the Lord in their life and you will rejoice in it. And, and this victory will not only be for you, but as I prayed for that gentleman, it will be for generations to come. For I hear the Lord saying for you and for the gentleman I prayed for beforehand, beforehand that they will, not, they will never cease to be generations that serve me in your families until the day that I return. For I've decreed it, I will make it, and I will watch over the prayers that have been prayed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Lord Jesus, as we speak about your grace and mercy today, come and speak to us. Lord, let it be more than just a preach today. Let it be, let it be an encounter with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So when I, when I was at university, I drove a lime green beetle. It was the coolest student car you have ever seen in your life. Everyone wanted a lime green beetle like Carol Fisser. I was Carol Fisser then. It, it was fantastic. But this little green, I know you like, I mean, everyone wants a Porsche now, but then... Then, I mean, it was cool. It was like vintage, you know. You just, you wanted that vintage car. It was cute. It was cool. It was cheap on petrol. It was, it was just everything a student wanted. So, the funny thing, however, about this lime green beetle was that it, it was not sophisticated. No GPS, no computer on board, nothing. If you wanted a heater on, you leant down next to the seat and pulled up a lever. And it opened a pipe from the engine. And hot air that was going over the engine came into the car. That was the heating system. I mean, you know, it worked like a bomb, like an absolute bomb. Yeah, I know, you're saying it could be a bomb. That, that is true. That is true. But nonetheless, it was fantastic. So, like I said, everyone wanted my car. And one friend of mine asked to borrow it. He had to go and pick someone up from the airport. And he asked to borrow my car. And I said yes, because I'm a generous person. He climbed into the car and off he went. And when he got back from 
get, returned the car to me, he had this look on his face of, like, I mean, he was red, he was sweating, he was, you know, he, you know you, when you see stress etched on, on, you know, just before an exam look, he had this look. And um, I turned to him and said, oh, did you enjoy my car? He said, what is that car? So what had happened is I had been using the heater just before, and of course no one guesses that that's how a heater in a, in a car works. So he had drove, driven all the way to the airport not knowing how to turn and where this lever was to turn the heater off. And let me tell you, air coming straight off a car engine into a car, I mean, it is like a sauna on steroids. He had the windows open. He had everything going. He had turned on the little fan that it did have, but nonetheless, this hot air was just blasting him the whole way. There is a meaning to the story. You know, sometimes something in your life is just not working. You know, you know that it shouldn't be like this, you're in a lime green beetle, you're on the way to the airport, hot air is pouring over, you know it should not be like this. But you have no idea how to remedy it. I mean, does, has anyone had a situation like that in life? You don't have to raise your hand, but thank you for raising them anyway. <laughs> but you know, you just know life should not be like that. You read your Bible and you... You get a picture of what life should be like, what it's like to be in Christ. The victory, the power, the, the energy, the joy. You have all those feelings. And then your life just, it's hot air blasting on you no matter what. You can't stop it. So we are going to talk today about what it takes to fix a broken life. How's that? God's mercy and God's grace. Because mostly what we think the solution is, is to just work harder, do more, try harder, be better. You know, you know what I'm talking about. We, we try all these things, but still the hot air just blasts. Let's stop and pause and say, God, we need your mercy and we need your grace. Lord, we want to live that kind of life that, Hebrew, that Romans 14 talks about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Lord, come and do that as we talk about your mercy and grace today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So there's a particular scripture I want to read. And... I said that I would change my own slides today, but I forgot to bring my cha slide changer. So I'm so sorry, Lola, you're on. <laughs> so we're going to be reading from Hebrews 4, from verse 15. It's, it's kind of a little bit of an obscure passage. I don't know if you read it before, but it's absolutely profound. Hebrews is one of those books where we don't actually know fully who wrote it. Uh, many people say Paul, but many people have different other um, things. The writer doesn't identify himself. But nonetheless, it's clearly written to Jewish believers. It's written to people of Jewish origin who are trying to serve God and are endeavoring to live out their Christianity. And the whole premise of the book is about how Jesus is superior to everything. 
that has happened in Judaism, that he actually is the fulfillment of their entire law and their entire culture, and that as, he, as they embrace him, everything that they have dreamed of, all the, all the expectations they've had from being in covenant with God actually come through Christ. It's almost like being in Christ switches off that lever. It makes everything work. And the whole premise of the book is this, and we pick it up in Hebrews 4 after, after the writers talk about, talking about rest and all kinds of beautiful things. And he says in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is in, every res- but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need that we might approach this throne of grace with confidence, sure, absolutely, absolutely certain that everything's going to be okay. We approach this throne of grace and we receive mercy and we find grace. There are three powerful pictures in this very short scripture that we read. And the first one is a throne. We talked about two weeks ago, God's throne, remember in Revelation, and it had thunder and lightning around it, and a rainbow and a sea of glass, and elders that were throwing their crowns down, and and creatures, wild creatures with eyes all over the place. And we, we saw this throne, but here in Hebrews, this throne is described, the throne of God, the, the ruling place of God as a throne of grace. And you see, if we're going to fix our lives, if we're going to allow our lives to actually live out the beauty of what Christ has done, the first thing that we're going to need to know is that God is in charge. He's on a throne. That God is king. That he's Lord of all. That he's above everything. I've been meditating on Psalm 2 recently. Have you ever read it? It's such a great psalm for this time. Because in the psalm, it says, why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot a vain thing? And it goes on a bit later and says, God sits in heaven and he laughs. And then it goes on a little bit later and it says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. And in essence, what the psalm is saying to the nations of the world, to our government even, He's saying, God is in charge. Fall in line. Do what he says. Lest judgment come upon you. Lest difficulty come upon you. See who is king and serve him. You know, and I feel like this is so important because the first thing you need to fix your life is to know that the God who calls you son and daughter is in charge of everything. It's so important to know that when we're coming to God, we're coming to the one who's in charge of everything. Why is this so important? Because he can get things done. Why is it so important? Because it means you're safe in him. He actually covers the nations. He actually determines the outcome of the nations. 
You know, you might be watching the news and seeing what's happening in Ukraine right now, and it might be, you know, making you tremble in your boots. But ultimately, we have to look at even things like that, and we have to say, God will have his way. The nations may reign and may rage. Rulers may have their thoughts and do their things. But ultimately, God is in charge, and we can trust that. We can trust that absolutely. You might be looking at the economic situation of South Africa right now, and your, your heart might be going faint. But ultimately, you know, if our lives are going to work, we must approach it from this perspective. God is in charge. And he's in charge of this nation. He's in charge of my life. Even if this nation were to fall apart, I will be well. God will take care of me. My life will be solid, whole, firm, steadfast, prosperous, delightful. Because we're coming to a throne and God's in charge. You see, in Christ and within his community is the safest place to make your needs known. Have you ever gone to a powerful person and told them something that you need and they absolutely ignored you? My dad did that to me quite a lot, mostly because the things I asked for were just ridiculous. But nonetheless, you know how that feels. But you see, we're not coming to that kind of throne. We're coming to a throne of grace where God hears you, where God sees you. And God's able to do what you need. I think very often powerful people ignore us because they can't help us. And we actually make them feel inadequate when we ask. But you see, God's not like that. He has the goods. Wayne, it's so funny that you, you shared about adventure racing. My next story is about adventure racing because I was not on that race that Wayne was talking about. But nonetheless, I was in the adventure racing fraternal and did some of those crazy races. But after one of those race, races, I had a torn calf. You can imagine if you do those kind of things, injuries happen. And this was the first time ever in my life that I went to a physiotherapist after that particular race. Have any of you been to a physiotherapist? You know, in my mind, I had this idea that I was going to lie on a bed, soft music playing in the background, you know, sweet smells from the oils that they were burning in that incense maker. And she was going to lightly place her hands on my calf and rub me very gently. And I was going to get up there feeling loved, caressed, and so much better. Have you been to a physiotherapist? <laughs> that is not what happens. In essence, what, you know, if they could have straps on those beds to hold you down, to stop you screaming and squirming, they probably would. But it's, it's all about finding the most painful person on the person, place on the person's body and pressing it as hard as you can until they hit you. Basically, that's just how a physiotherapist is. And some of you are giggling nervously because you've been to a physiotherapist and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, do we have any physiotherapists here? I love you. You're fantastic. That is the best physiotherapist in the world. She doesn't do that. And that's not the one I went to. But I went to another one, and it was excruciating. 
It was absolutely excruciating. Literally, she found the most painful part, part of my leg and pressed it for a long time. I had very unchristian thoughts going through my mind. Finally, I worked something out. That, you know, your body, in order to protect a, a damaged part, causes the muscles to tense up around the damage. Did you know that? Well, that's true. And one of the reasons they press that part is they're trying to get your muscle to relax so they can actually get to the injury. It suddenly dawned on me that this woman was not going to stop until I relaxed my leg. And it suddenly dawned on me that if I relaxed and stopped squirming and screaming and having a hard time, that this was going to go much quicker and be much better. So I did. And as I relaxed, she was going, oh, there you go. And she stopped pressing. I was like, Lord Jesus, you're king and lord of all. <laughs> but it makes me think of something about our lives. You know, we come before this throne of grace and we have this amazing environment where God, God is saying, I've got what, what you need to be healed. And we have this pain in our heart and we are protecting it with everything we have. And then God says, just let go. Just open up. Let me in. Let me be a part of that. Speak to me. Tell me what's really going on. And you are holding on like crazy because the more he talks to you about it, the more painful it feels. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and the right thing to do in that moment is to let go. Is to say, God, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Come and speak to me. Come and minister to me. Tell me what I need to know. You see, because ultimately we're coming to a throne, a place of rulership, a place where God is in charge and he is the safest place in which you can let down your guards and say, God, come and make this right. The next thing that the scripture talks about, it talks about a high priest. Now, we don't really know much about high priests. If you were Jewish, you would know exactly what a high priest was. But a high priest was, it's not something you see in a, the Catholic or the Anglican church. The high priest in the Jewish culture was a person, he was the only person allowed into God's presence once a year to offer a sacrifice for the nation to atone for the sins of that nation. The job of the high priest was to stand between the holiness of God and the unholiness of the people and bring the prayers of the people to God and then dispense the grace and the mercy of God to the people. He was meant to be a, a forerunner of Christ and a mediator between the people and God. The reason God chose a man to be a high priest is that he wanted this high priest to be able to sympathize with people. He wanted him to have felt the same temptations and difficulties as the people. However, he was meant to atone for his own sin and then atone for the people's sin. But what had happened in Israel is that the high priests had become this like ruling elite they become more of a political appointment than a religious appointment. And, and they, they, ro they walked around in glorious robes and, and, and looking fantastic and not spending much time bringing the needs of the people before God and, and God's grace to the people. 
And so when Israel thought at that time of a high priest, they weren't thinking of someone who was going to stand on their behalf. But yet this, this scripture talks about Jesus as our high priest. Jesus is the one who comes who's better than any earthly high priest, who stands between the people and their God, and brings our prayers into intercession before our God and dispenses the grace and the life of God back to the people. And here's the wild thing. It says that he does sympathize with our weaknesses. Did you see that in the scripture? He sympathizes with our weakness because not only is he God, but he walked as a man. He walked like you and I do. He, he faced the temptations. He said he faced every temptation that we have ever faced, yet without sin. Think for a moment of the absolute worst thing you've ever done. Maybe not the worst thing you've been tempted to do, because I know you've done no bad things. (laughs) That thing you were tempted to do. Does it make a difference when you think, that Jesus is standing there next to you and he's faced that exact thing? Does it make a difference to know that? That Jesus actually stood here also facing this exact thing? Of course it makes a difference. Of course it makes a difference because then it's easy to turn to him and say, Lord, what did you do? Lord, how did you overcome? Lord, how, what made a difference for you? You see, we have a high priest who has indeed been everywhere that we have been, faced everything that we have faced. You know, the betrayal that you faced, he faced it too. The temptation you faced, he faced it too. The the fear you faced, he faced it too. He faced that all. And what that means is that Jesus understands every situation that you've been in, and he understands your situation better than you do. This is something that, that has come home to me so much over my life. Because I don't know how you feel like, I feel like I've got to find a solution for everything. I feel like I've got to work harder, do more, try harder. But sometimes, sometimes, it's not about being better. It's about waiting for grace. What do I mean by that? I discovered this very early on, way back when I was, had three young children. We had three children in three years. We were on our third church plant. It was a year of threes, and it was chaos and difficult and crazy. Andrew had just gotten sick. I was just... So much pressure everywhere. And what do all the mothers in the house, what do mothers do when they're under pressure? They, I heard cry. You were so much more righteous than me. I shouted at my children. Sorry, children. And you know, I, I hated that about myself. I was like stuck in a lime green beetle with the heat on. I knew there was a problem, I just didn't know what to do about it. You can can add your own situation. You're stuck in this situation with the heat on and you don't know what to do about it. You would like to be better, but you just keep on coming up your worst of yourself. 
Jesus said this to me one day as I was lying on the floor just desperate. And he said this to me, he said, do you believe that my grace is sufficient for you? I mean, it's in the Bible. So I had to say yes. Yes, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. He said, well, then wait for my grace. Wait for my grace. What does that look like? I mean, that's so abstract. So the next time I'm in a situation, children upset, uh, dishwasher overflowing, husband, you know, just in a bad way, phone ringing, you know, just, just that feeling, pressure everywhere. And all I wanted to do was snap, and I heard his voice, wait for grace. So I stopped. I went and locked myself in the bathroom because I figured, you know what, no children can find me there. <laughs> I locked myself in the bathroom and I said, Lord, I don't know what grace looks like, but I'm staying here until it comes. Because right now, I feel like doing something that I know I will regret. And I sat there. And you know what? For a good three minutes, nothing happened. And then I just felt a peace come on my heart. And it became obvious to me that I was just afraid that I was going to be a bad mom and so I was overreacting to my children. I was like, oh yeah, I don't have to do that. And I went out and I said to the children, let's just go and play a game. And we played a game and everything was fine. The moment just passed. If I would love it to be that that was the last time. <laughs> but time and time again, I found myself in that same bathroom, staring at those same lonelyum tiles. Lord Jesus, I'm waiting for your grace. And every time the grace looked different. Sometimes it was like a nugget of wisdom. Okay, do that. Sometimes it was, you know, sometimes it was a rebuke. Sometimes it was like, you know, you just, this is just selfishness. You just need to repent of this. Sometimes it was just the feeling that he loved me and that was good enough. And you see, time after time after time, I learned this, that grace always comes. That grace always comes. Grace always comes. And this is what I also learned, is that he knows what you need more than you do. And the thing you think you need may not be the thing you think you, that you actually need. And if you run after the thing you think you need, you will actually get the wrong thing and it won't work out. So wait for grace. Wait for that presence of God to show you the next step. To lead you forward when you don't know. And then do what he says. Do what he says. And it's like, it's like dominoes. Everything just falls into place. Because God is faithful. You see, Jesus understands your situation better than you do. The third thing that we notice is that when we come to this magnificent throne of grace, we receive mercy and we find grace. I just love that. See, mercy is that we don't get what we do deserve. That's God's mercy. It's like a shield around you saying, I know, I know she's messed up. I know he's messed up, but I'm holding back the consequences of their actions. I'm saying I'm protecting them and guarding them, even from themselves. That's God's mercy. 
And you know what? I cry out for God's mercy every day because I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know what the consequences of some of my actions are. And so I cry out to God, Lord, Lord, just have mercy on me. I need your mercy. And the first thing of coming to this throne is to know that you need mercy. It's to know that you don't know it all. It's to know that you don't, that you, you can't fix this. You can't fix everything. And to come and say, God, come and have mercy on me. And then grace is that we do get what we don't deserve. We get so much more than you've ever asked for. That's grace. That's grace. You know, people often think about grace as being God just like turning a blind eye to your sin. Have you ever heard that? It's like grace means that I can do what I want and I'm, everything will be okay. You see, that's not what grace is. God knows everything about you. Every sin you've ever committed, every bad thing you've ever done, bad news, he knows it all. Good news is that his reaction is not judgment, his reaction is help. His reaction is grace. That he's walked in your shoes and he knows how hard it is and his heart is crying out, let me come and help you. Let me come and help you. I've got some definitions of grace that might help you. Grace is his unres is unrestricted access to God. It means that no matter what you've done, what you will ever do, God will never close the door to you. That's why we can come confidently before his throne because the door is wide open and it's held open by the blood of Jesus. The next thing that grace is, it's unmerited favor from God. There is favor around you so thick that even your enemies have no choice but to love you. Even the people that want to hate you can't. Because God is at work showering you with favor. And last of all, grace is unlimited capacity with God. What do I mean by that? I mean, just as I was sitting on that bathroom floor day after day, it's God's power to you to make you into something different. Guys, I don't know how you are. But if this is all I have in my life, this person here, then I want out now. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, this is, this, this is not good enough. I mean, I know I'm good enough for God accepts me as he is, as I am, but, but, but I want more than, than just, just an ordinary person. I want the power of God in me. I, I want my thought life governed by his love. I want my actions empowered by his truth. I want, I want to live out victory that's so much bigger than what I could just do on my own. I don't want to just be good at my job. I want people to look at me and say, how on earth did she do that? It is impossible for a human being to do that. If I can only get what I can get by my own efforts, then I feel like, what is Jesus anyway? Grace is God's presence in you to make you different. To make you new. To make you alive. To make you better than you could ever be. To make you the best possible you. 
that God has ever imagined. Not that you've imagined, but that he's imagined. We've just come from Freedom Day, and my message to you today is, now is the time to get free. Now is the time to bring your lime green beetle before the throne of grace and say, Lord, something's wrong, make it right. Something's wrong, make it right. While we're there, we, we receive his mercy. We say, God, protect me and guard me, even from the consequences of my own actions. Have mercy on me. I trust you. You're in charge of everything. Lord, come and fill my mind with wisdom that's not my own. Lord, come and fill my body with strength that's not my own. Come and fill my heart with convictions and truth that are not my own. Make me like you. Make me like you. Give me a life that demonstrates something so much more than just my capacity. Let it shine with the beauty and glory of the living God. Let people look at my life and say, there must be a God. There must be a God. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask the worship team if you wouldn't mind coming up. I want to pray for two kinds of people here this morning. I want to pray for people that, you know, there's, there's something in your life that you just know needs to be fixed. You don't even know how it needs to be fixed. But in your heart, as I've been speaking, you're saying, Lord, I need your mercy and your grace to come and change things. And you know, it might be a small thing, it might be a big thing. There's no judgment as you stand. We're not even trying to think what it is. But you standing, as I'm going to ask you to do in a minute, is you saying, Lord, I need you to come and change me and to change this environment, to speak to me. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. You need something changed in your life. Just go ahead and, and stand. And the beauty of God is that the answer to our vulnerability is His great yes. It's His great yes. So Lord, I want to pray for each person that is standing right now. If you are close to someone who's standing, won't you just place your hand on them? Lord, we just stand in agreement and solidarity with these people. Lord, I don't even know how, how the lime green beetle is broken or not working. But Lord, you know, you know, you see everything. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come to them. 
Lord, they're waiting for Your grace. They're taking You at Your Word. They're saying, Your grace is sufficient for me. They are saying, Lord, there is a problem, I need You. And I know You never turn away from a prayer like that. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now that You would come to these. I take authority right now over any lie of the enemy. that is speaking to them and telling them that there is no hope, that it'll always be like this. I break that in Jesus' Name. I declare that the living God has gone before you. The living God sees, He hears, He knows. He will work on your behalf. I hear the living God saying to you, listen for my voice, for I will speak to you. I will lead you. I will make a way, for I have promised and I never go back on my word. I hear the Lord saying, you will be free. I hear the Lord saying, you are free. I hear Him saying, in your situation, I will transform your heart in ways that you cannot imagine. I will make you so free. I will make you so alive. I will make you so joyful that you will, if I had told you now, you would not believe it. Lord, I pray for each heart. I declare into these hearts, believe, 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 believe in Jesus' Name. Believe, believe, believe. Believe, I speak to every heart. I declare your God has won on your behalf. Wait for grace. Wait for grace. Wait for grace. It is here. Receive it. Take it. Take it. In Jesus' name. 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 Made right. Made whole. Made right. Made whole. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you have something you want to sing? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand? In closing, I, I would love all of us to stand if you don't mind. And there may be some of you here, and I know the majority of you know Jesus. That's why you're here. But perhaps you came today and you're looking for something more. Someone invited you, or you've been coming for a while and you've been just trying to think how to position yourself in relationship to Jesus. And today, you want to make a commitment to Him. It may be your first commitment, or maybe you have made it before, but this time, you really want it to mean something. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Can we all pray together? Lord Jesus, I come to You. Lord, I repent of living my life away from You. Lord, I come to You. I acknowledge You as the only way back to God. I receive Your work on the cross and I ask that You would save me and You would restore me. In Jesus' name. If you hear and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'd love you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Is there anyone who did that? Thank you. I see you at the back. Is there anyone else who did that? I'm going to, yeah, I can give that. I saw one raised hand and that's good enough for me. My friend who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. 
Can you come up front and lift so I can pray for you? Can you do that? Come on up. Give him a hand as he comes. If you raise your hand and I didn't see you, won't you just come up also? Come on up. Give him a hand. Thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Send your hands, church. Lord, we pray for these. Lord, would you come and fill them with your power? Lord, we receive them as yours and we say yes to what they've said yes to. Holy Spirit, thank you. Bless them, save them, fill them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you. I'm going to ask you, see that gentleman over there? If you could go with him. He's got some material he's going to give you. He's going to help you and get you, get you on your way. God bless you. We love you already. Welcome to the family. Awesome. Give the Lord a hand again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen and amen. We're going to go out with a song, but God bless you. Have a glorious day. Be strong. Wait for grace. It's there. Amen.